please stand by for another episode of Wired Shut. Um, welcome to Wired Shut. I'm your host, Jesse, and he's your host, Logan. Wait, what? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, he's, 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 he's all of the above. He's, I'm the, I'm the, I'm the foil. He's he's the foil. <laughs> the foil. He's the tin foil on on the hungy that is my heart. Um, <laughs> that is metaphor. Yeah. Uh, take that, Charlotte. Um, this is episode eighty-two. Of uh, the wired chat. As, as an ex girlfriend of mine used to say. Um, I thought you were going to say, as an ex girlfriend yourself. Of. No, um, what she used to say. Um, she's, she'd say, You're my best friend, Logan, but Jesse's your best friend. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. Uh, the sad part is she was right. Yeah, it warms my heart to know. To no end, especially because I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so speaking of pieces of shit, um, <laughs> what movies have you watched lately? Oof. Don't care. Um, yes. Should we start with movies? Should we start with current events? Should we start with... Um... So as far as movies, I actually wrote down... So did I. I wrote down two things. Um, so... Do you want to talk about so the, the two topics I'm bringing because for the first time ever I'm bringing topics to the table, Mister Schmartmuth. Well, it is. Um, I come from a long line of Schmartmuths. Do you, Do you want to begin with my take on some recent conspiracy documentaries I watched, and then how that connects to my love hate relationship with Mysterious Universe as a podcast? Yeah. Or, or would you like to start with um, Universal Monster movies that I've been watching? Um, I think Universal Monster movies you've been watching. Okay. Well, because usually by usually by the fifty minute mark, that's when we start talking about shit no one else wants to listen to, which is usually stuff about conspiracy theories. Um, okay. Yeah, let's start with the monster movies. I forgot you were watching those. You've watched like three this weekend? Yeah, so I've seen Frankenstein. Frankenweenie, yeah. Bride of... Why I feel the so need like the to original Frankensteins too we're talking about here, right? The Boris Karloff. Yeah. yeah. The Boris Karloff directed by some guy with the last name Whale. He's had a whale of a time. Um... Yeah, um, and what was it? Bride of Frankenstein, Frankenstein, and the Mummy. That's right. Yeah. Um, and I will soon be watching. Um, Bride of Frankenstein. No. The um, Dracula original Dracula movie. Dracula. Not to be confused with Nosferatu. Nosferatu. Um, the Invisible Man. Ooh, yeah. With what's his name? Uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon. Oh yeah. And and the Wolfman. Who are you, Wolfman? Yeah. Yes. Um, um, 
First, first hot take is the mummy sucks. <laughs> it's like you're not even talking about Tom Cruise's the mummy. You're talking about the original. No, that, I mean that sucks. Like the the best movie with the name the mummy is by far the Brendan Fraser one. And I feel like we could. Yeah, I was going to say we could do an entire series. We could do a whole just season mummy just based on the good Brendan Brendan Fraser mummy movies. Um, and I'll rate the third one higher than the Tom Cruise movie. Third. Oh, really? Rise like, of the Dragon Tomb God. Emperor? Drink. Oh, that was... I no, mean, I'm kidding. It was just I nice to have Brendan Fraser in a movie. couldn't get over the departure of Rachel Weisz. Oh, yeah. No, I was just happy to see Brendan Fraser in a movie again until I realized Rachel Weisz wasn't joining him. So I don't want to watch this movie anymore. Yeah, it was, instead it was... What's that lady's name? Um, Nigella Lawson. Uh, <laughs> I wish... Uh, Rise of the Dragon, Tomb Monster Emperor. Two, two Monster, Two Emperor. Two Wong Fu. Thanks for everything. Um, uh, Maria still, Bello. Uh, yeah, it still made a fuckload of money. Is it? Was that one of those movies that was getting into the like Chinese audience shit? I think so, retrospectively. Um, looking back, yeah, yeah but. Um, at the time, I don't think anyone took too much notice of that. Um, even though that was only, I want to say only, it was 12 years ago that movie came out. 2008. And it was not good. It had the same CG as the first one in terms of the quality of the mummy turning into a human man. Um, just, yeah. Anyway, let's talk about the Universal movies because yeah. I'm getting sad now thinking about the, how bad that movie was. Um Let's start with the Print mummy. Prince's poor career. Yeah. So I'm nursing a cold right now. My apologies. Um, oh, I, I forgot I to sniffles. Um, how's the, I know that... how nasal your voice normally is, <laughs> and it's slightly less nasal than right now. Um, yeah, we've gone from needs to clear his nose and needs to clear his throat to uh, had surgery no on his nose clear. and has a blocked nose. So that's nice. Yeah. Uh, so the mummy sucks. So it's... Like, first thing, first big takeaway is these old movies, the language, the, the like global shared language of Western cinema has come a long way since 1932. I mean, really, so, if we think about it, what's changed between now and 1932, though, like, in society? Almost nothing. Almost frankly. nothing. We're basically where we started. Um, there is... Everything you need to know is told to you. Nothing is simply shown. Oh, but the like, classics, they used to know how to tell movies, you know? No, tell stories. No. It's, it used to be so good back in the day, you know? When movies actually just started to be yeah, movies. Refused and to remake. Um, don't get me wrong, we should be better than the exposition these days, but yeah. So they still hadn't found their... Um, how to translate movies to actually be stories back in those days. Not surprised. Yeah, it was it was all just Mind you, um, given that the the mummy was made in nineteen thirty two while Frankenstein was made in nineteen thirty one, um Frankenstein is objectively made by a better director. Right. Are we um because we consider these to be part of the Universal Monsters universe? Hmm. 
were these intended to be related in any sense or did we just decide after the fact as a society that the mummy had everything to do with Frankenstein because they came under the same banner but really they were two different stories like the mummy it makes me think if we got the swashbuckling Rick O'Connell type that these movies like the mummy was never meant to be good it was meant to be pulpy and fun Popcorn, like, popcorn I, I movie? don't know what the original intentions were. Was it meant to be scary? Was it trying to be scary? Um, I don't know what would have whether like maybe it would have been scary to a audience at that time period. I don't know, but did it have a train coming at the screen? <laughs> <laughs> it's not quite that bad. Um, but like, so Imhotep gets brought back to life. And just proceeds to walk off camera. Yep. <laughs> a man is on screen who inadvertently brought him back to life. Sure. And the guy just um, goes hysterical, laughing his head off. And oh, that he managed can't to do it. Stop and ends up in a loony bin and is just not in the rest of the movie. Right. <laughs> um, it just. Is that their way of explaining the madness that would become. A, a, a modern man, if they lay witness to Imhotep in the flesh being resurrected, whereas in I, modern I, era, I we, like we wouldn't have taken that too seriously, and we would have melted faces and had scarabs eat skin and stuff. Yeah, I, maybe that's the like appropriate level of scary for their time period. Just trying to understand and wrap your head around something that can make somebody go insane. Yeah. Um, I just sent you a picture of the leading woman of the movie, arguably scary, as scary looking as Boris Karloff is. Oh yeah, she's um, she's got very, very, very striking eyes. Yeah. Um, uh, so the the plot, you actually know the plot by watching the original the Rick O'Connell, the original, movies. the original Brendan Fraser classic. Yeah, yes. so it's the same basic plot. Yeah, so um, the mummy comes back to life and he wants to resurrect his love. Who is not Anuk Anuk Sunamun, but it's like, whereas in the modern movies, Anuk Sunamun is written in like a Sanskrit kind of Egyptian way. This is is spelt like Ankh S Un Amun. Right, so it's. And they pronounce it as such. It's barely. Yeah, he is still Imhotep. Okay. Um, but yeah, he he gets resurrected, walks off screen, and the next time you see him, he's just like a creepy old Egyptian dude who doesn't like to be touched. <laughs> uh, they, they, because it's black and white, you you sort of get a sense that he's he's puffed up a bit. He's not so like ancient looking. Yeah, but arguably has just had a shower or something. Yeah, but you don't get to see that process of him. No, which and e- he just every... turns up at a dig site as like a weird, creepy local man and just says like, um, Hello. English archaeologists looking for a big score. You should dig over there. <laughs> and they go, wow, geez, that was pretty um, ominous, but let's give it a go anyway. Gee, thanks, mister. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Cool. Um, also, the the thing I find funny is... Your mind does not remember these movies in black and white. Oh, really? So you think that you've colorized it in your head? Well, like, 
or tonally shifted it a little bit. To make I mean, it there's so qu- there's so like so much of culture has influenced what these things are in your memory and in your mind that it's easy to overlay. That, yeah, like Frankenstein is green in my head, even yeah. though he's gray like everything else in the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but the mummy. Huh basically is not in the same place as most of the characters in the film and he just arbitrarily uses a magical wishing uh, tree pool of water that he looks into and it like mirrors and shows him other characters doing other stuff and sort of a screen overlay type right because he's a um... and he just chokes them and they die (laughs) well he's a jafar type right he's meant to be like a i was gonna say like a house wizard Kind of. I mean, like the implication yeah. is that he has wizard powers, but like there's there's one bit where one of the characters walks up to him and he goes like, you know, boy, I'd kick your ass if you weren't so magically powerful. <laughs> He's just standing like a foot away from him, sort of shaking his fist at him. But which it's if, never been established to that point that he has any sort of magical yeah. protection over him. Which if that was if that kind of line was delivered by um, Sir Brendan Fraser. We would be okay with it. Truly. Yeah. We would. He'd roll up it's, his sleeves and say, like, well, if you weren't, you know, some crazy sort of wizard, I uh, would yeah, if, knock if you, you out, buddy. The original, if you took the Mummy 1999 actors and had them remake the original... Um, it would be glorious. You know, ...32 yeah. money shot for shot. It would... Even if you shot for shot remade it with the exact same lines and everything, it will just be a comedy. Yeah. That's how all these movies are. They are comedies now. The the way shots are constructed, the way people act, the way people overact, underact, deliver lines, yeah. the writing of the lines, it's all just comedy it's all just, now. Yeah. It's, it's like watching very, very bad sitcoms. Dry hour and ten minute long Tim and Eric sketches. <laughs> Boy, this guy over here, he's a real bozo. Like referring <laughs> to a wolfman. Yeah, okay. Um but yeah, the the mummy for I think it's only seventy minutes long. That'll do, kid. Long enough. I mean, they're all pretty short, but yeah. I think the mummy is. What's the run? What's the runtime on that? There, mummy. Can I get a runtime? Runtime. Much run mummy time. you got for me? You got seventy minutes. You got eighty. Thirty-two. Oh, you had to mention Tim and Eric, and now we're just going full Tim and Eric. It's pretty real. Uh, hour and thirteen minutes. It's it's oh, seventy-three. It's, I I feel like. Maybe some of the remakes of The Mummy were shorter. Uh, wait, The Mummy from the Tom Cruise? 2017 was... is an hour and 50 minutes? Was that it? felt like two and a half. That was three years ago? Yeah. Jesus. And it sucked Yeah, The, the Mummy well. 1999 is two hours and four minutes and feels quite long. Right. The, the 2017 Mummy felt like a fucking slog i almost fell asleep yeah. granted i think i was hungover when i watched it but the, i also just remember thinking this is boring the 2017 one yeah yeah it just had that air of uh underworld to it where everything was kind of just the same color yeah and the they tried to make the villain just inherently scary yeah. but it instead made her just um which don't get me wrong. and, and yeah. without boundaries. 
Yeah, like you've literally resurrected God. So, like, why yeah. even bother fighting? Yeah. yeah, like I liked how they extrapolated her her tomb being like the more they hung out there, the more they were like, wait on, this is designed to keep something in, not that. I like those little out. little revelations in in stories or movies. Yeah. I'd say, mm. yeah. Um, but yeah, um, essentially, the woman is still playing Rachel Weiss's character, but she's just a a young half Egyptian socialite. Right. Okay. Instead um, of um, having ninety percent of the movie takes place in the museum, where Imhotep basically just hangs out in the Egyptian exhibit, and that's where he lives. <laughs> okay. Um. The the equivalent to the Rick O'Connell character is just a dude that's really, really fancies the woman, but is concerned and worried by the fact that she keeps suddenly going under a spell and wanting to just go and live with Imhotep. Uh, is there she, a is there a Benny type character? Just the reincarnation of his of his, of his love. Which, I mean, she was in the Rick O'Connell ones, right? No, in the Rick O'Connell ones he wanted to use her body to put his dead girlfriend in. into, but it just so happened in the flashbacks. And that, then once yeah. you get to like mummy three, she actually turns out to be Anuk Sunamon's sister reincarnated over thousands of years later. Right. Okay. Cause and they did a weird, like back in retro. time where you're all of a sudden you've got like Rachel Weiss with a slightly um, tan look. Yeah. That was in the second one, right? Not the third. Oh, is it? I thought the third. I thought there were three, and then there was the like. No, no, no. There was two, and then there was the Dragon Tomb Emperor Man. No, there's there's three because there's the the Scorpion King. Or Scorp- is that two? Scorpion Kings and two. Huh. Yeah. Well, now I know. Well, if I put in, yeah, Mummy Three comes yeah, up with yeah, two. No, you're yeah, you're right. It's because between The Mummy 3 and Mummy 2, there was the Scorpion King spin-off movie. Ah, uh, okay. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. No, but yeah, you're right. That's Yeah, she turns out to be an ancestor or a, a descendant of mm. the second one. Okay, cool. So. But it's, so yeah, like line deliveries and awkward jilted acting and like, wonky camera shots make these things unintentional comedies but um the mummy felt a solid 20 minutes to half an hour longer than it actually was oh, so it just dragged on and on and on even though it was just yeah, telling a, a very bare bones kind of story oh yeah okay um, um how was frankenstein well, frankenstein yeah frankenstein is very old but you still go, oh, okay, they actually understood things like shot composition to provide tone. Yeah, right, okay. Like, the sets for this movie, considering how old it is, are kind of amazing, like forced perspective matte paintings, mm-hmm. blending in with actual physical sets. Rooms that seem to be like like the actual um, set of frankenstein's lab looked like it was about three and a half stories tall yeah well that's the thing that's that's and and it actually did take 
the Frankenstein on a gurney and raise him up with chains through the roof of it. Yeah, that's the thing we don't we take uh, for granted is those old movies, which is they they clearly influenced people who make the movies that influenced us so well because they knew what was going on behind the scenes to make that a possibility, and they are yeah. extensive. Like even just the like Buster Keaton or, or Charlie Chaplin movies, you you see some of the behind the scenes footage and you realize that no, there was yeah forced perspective and there was not green screen but superimposition in such a way that it made like made it look like somebody was going to fall down into like fall down a flight of stairs but really what it was was um essentially a green screen uh type environment where somebody had overlaid the picture of stairs in front of the camera in front of the person um and it just looked seamless because everything looked like a movie set yeah. Or it all looked kind of real because of the matte painting kind of look. And when you had those cameras, it just kind of worked. And that worked right up until the 80s. They were using matte paintings right up until yeah. industrial light and magic was a thing. So, yeah. Um, and like, yeah, like the unintentional comedy, like when Frankenstein's arm first starts moving, it just looks like he's about to grab the doctor's ass. <laughs> And then it slides booty. up higher and he grabs his throat. And just every <laughs> every little moment of it just seems like awkward comedy. Um, all the fight scenes in these movies are terrible and straight up just on-the-spot improvisation. Just people locking their legs into place respectively and then swinging their bodies back and forth, back and forth. Yeah, and it's, yeah. it's mostly just like people stumble forwards and other people like scramble on the ground on their hands and knees. Yeah. Um. There's so much out of control fire going on. <laughs> like all these actors are trying to do their fight scenes, and I'm just like watching these embers on the ground that are starting to catch some oh, pieces Jesus. of um, just the of, very highly of, flammable like, pine set. hay yeah. lying on the ground. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's where you learn that Frankenstein traditionally wasn't afraid of fire that actors were because they'd burn their people to death <laughs> well, uh, there's the thing uh, one of the actors and on- more importantly a lot of that shit was asbestos as well right yeah presumably yeah. like one of the i'm sure one of the actors had his trouser leg briefly on fire oh damn um okay i'm looking at so james whale was the director of Frankenstein lived from 1889 to 1957. Oh, damn. 60, 68 years. 78. Sure. I don't know. I can't mess right now. He also did The Invisible Man. The All right. So there was like a Russo Brothers of these movies. It was the same guy. Yeah, so he, he did a few of them. He, you actually, yeah, like I said, you actually get a sense that he understood whatever that time's equivalent to shot composition was. Yeah. He he actually kind of looks like an old-timey Nolan. Huh. Nolan just looks like a modern-day him. Yeah. I'm going to wear a pocket watch and direct movie. James Whale. <laughs> um, Frankenstein is, yeah, just... So I I don't know the plot of Mary Shelley's no that's is it yeah that's Frankenstein right Mary Shelley did that yeah it's her book yeah yeah 
So I understood the story of Frankenstein to be like a philosophical character who gets brought to life and then ponders the meaning of existence and feels slighted for having been brought to life. Right. I don't know whether that's true or not, but that's what I understand that story to be, almost like a um, a bit more of a sort of Shakespearean type character. Mm-hmm. He's meant to be a tragic character, and he's meant yeah. to express that and be... Um... This Frankenstein is a retard. <laughs> huh? uh, uh. He, he, he just... I mean, like, you enjoy watching him, but he just staggers around the set looking confused or having violent intent, and there's nothing else. Just busts his way through doors and stuff. What's that? Did he just bust his way through, like, doors and. Yeah, in in the first movie, he is just an out and out monster. Yeah. Um,. But they they highlight that if if you pay attention to it, it seems as though he only attacks people that are causing harm to him or scaring him. Right. He just reacts. Which sort of gets expanded in The Bride of Frankenstein when he starts to... Get horny. (laughs) Well, they, they develop a personality and he learns what a friend is and he experiences kindness from a human for the first time and he gets to learn to like certain things right yeah okay and you see that he's actually not violent unless he feels threatened um all people but there's there's the awkward bits like he um it's the first time in the first one that he shows compassion he he walks over and he sees a little girl playing and she asks to play with him and he sits down with her at this uh lake's edge and she has flowers yeah and she's like, here, here's some flowers for you. And he takes the flowers and he's happy. And then she's like, look, if you throw the flowers into the lake, they become boats and they float on the surface. And he's like, and she throws her flowers in and then he throws his flowers in and she's still throwing flowers in. And then he looks and realizes he's got nothing to throw left. And throws her in? Yes. <laughs> and so he's like, they all float I need something down here. to throw in. And then he picks up this little girl and she goes, oh, you're hurting me. And he biffs her into the lake. And she does not come back up. Oh, Jesus. So this, like, six-year-old child just drowns, and he's like... He oh. he suddenly works out what's happening. He scoops the water and tries to find her, but can't. Gives up and runs away, sort of looking scared and confused, and also just fleeing the scene. Uh. 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 Um, and yeah, it's... Oh, Jesus. Ultimately, feels like you're watching a comedy until it really feels like you're no, not. Which yeah. is when the father finds his daughter, and you just are um, treated to this weird extended shot of the father. Um, the entire the Frank. The reason everyone finds out about Frankenstein's experiment is because they are trying to get him to come home and pay attention to his fiance so that they can get married oh. because he's more interested in his work than his future wife. Right. Yeah. He's just a nerd. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he's, he's a bit of a misanthrope and he overacts to high hell, but the guy that plays Frankenstein and like him shouting, it's alive. Mm. And like they genuinely are really iconic. Um, Moments. Bits yeah. of the movie. Yeah. But, he yeah they they get him back and then 
the entire because it is actually set in like a German village or whatever. Yeah. Um, the yes. entire yeah. village is sort of partying on Frankenstein's dad's dime. Classic to celebrate Germans. the wedding because they're like the the rich family that lives at the end of town kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And they're just all the peasants who are like, "We'll run you out of town." Yeah. But like, so you there's up just like this extended scene of people doing like German dances and German music being played, and it's really like uncontrolled and sort of not particularly. Yeah, it's it's almost very documentary looking. Yeah documentary i said that in a weird way Document- and then just this guy starts walking through the town holding the corpse of that little girl Jesus. <laughs> oh that was the other thing the little girl's like talking to her cat and you can see that this little actress has a death grip on this cat's throat to be able to turn its head towards her while oh, she's talking to it. jesus and the entire audience in the theater went Ooh! oh jesus like Every little bit of these movies that's become problematic over the years, like every time, like um, when they go on a search party to find Frankenstein, the guy in charge of the town, which apparently is the German word for like the town magistrate, is a burgomaster. (sighs) He's like, uh, everyone, get your torches, lock up the women. (laughs) (laughs) Lock your women in your homes or something like that, he says. And yeah, it's... so many of these things, just everyone cracks up. Oh, um, yeah, so, all right, dummies, put your women away. Yeah. yeah okay. The monster throws Frankenstein from, because, you know, the the most of the story of the original I know from, um, I think, it's Simpsons Treehouse of Horror. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, cool. yeah, the the monster gets chased, and Frankenstein chases him with the mob, but gets separated, and um, they sort of have a crappy attempt at a fight inside a old um, windmill. Right. And they're fighting on the, like the top balcony of it. And then the monster tosses Frankenstein off, which is a crack up because first he knocks him out. And then Boris Karloff clearly picks up and, Bear in mind that Boris Karloff can't really lift his own arms to shoulder height because his costume bulks out his shoulders. Yeah, yeah. So the entire movie, Frankenstein is kind of doing these um, slightly effeminate-looking arm waves from, like, elbow height. Because <laughs> cool. he can't lift his arms all the way up without it sort of busting how his Oh, he's, John, he's John McCain. Got it. Yeah. I was um, tortured in Vietnam. Hi there. it's the ghost of john mccain (laughs) i died of cancer um so he picks up frankenstein who's unconscious and clearly a like very thin very floppy dummy yeah and throws him off the windmill six millennia you cunt (laughs) but frankenstein falls bounces off one of the arms of the um windmill in like a way that very yeah. clear it looks like a dummy hitting a thing yeah. the dummy's kind of heavy but at least the dummy like reasonably realistically folds on the windmill arm and then sort of wraps and bounces off it and falls all the way to the ground yeah um and then it cuts to a close-up shot and frankenstein like the people surround him and they go oh he's still alive <laughs> Like it, it was just such a brutal like death scene that would be a death scene in any other movie yeah. but 
the the these old movies have this magical way of just some character will exclaim that somebody's okay and then that person's okay despite what just happened to them on screen awesome um and then the movie ends with also um frankenstein's dad who is like baron frankenstein oh daddy it's just an out and out comic relief character He's just like a drunk Scottish man in a movie about a German evil German scientist. scientist. Yeah. Also, nobody has any issue with what Frankenstein is doing. Oh, like the the whole necromancy and just digging, yeah. digging up when, corpses and stuff. He's like, oh, he's fine. He's rich. The um, the the fiance, the fiance's male best friend, who is absolutely quietly in love with the fiance. Sure. And basically says it to her face in the first 10 minutes um frankenstein's dad frankenstein's mentor um all are actually in the room while he's doing the like manic it's alive thing oh okay like the the the, i always thought that he was like he'd banished himself and it was just him and his igor character yeah yeah he was doing also igor is called fritz oh and he is killed like immediately almost immediately after the monster is brought to life oh. yeah because the my memory of references to it were only ever like he's in his secret castle with like yeah he um, he tries to turn them I mean, away to be fair, like, no we're big... staying also it's raining please let us inside and he goes oh okay and then he goes afterwards after trying to like keep them from knowing what he's doing because he knows it's evil he then turns around and goes, come up and I'll show you what I'm doing. To be fair, the like strongest this... reference I've got to an evil doctor making things in a castle is Dr. Weird from Aqua Teen Hunger Force. <laughs> I mean, it's not that different. Yeah. The set's uh... not that different either. Um, kudos to whoever put together the like Frankenstein special effects rig for the, um, like the, the, what do they call those things that catch lightning? The lightning rod? Lightning rod. Mm. Like the... They basically just have eight different pieces of machinery that all make sparks. Mm. But it still looks pretty impressive. Huh. Also, the, the suggestion in the movie is that Frankenstein brings the monster to life using a form of light that is on a higher wavelength than ultraviolet light. And that is the source of all life. Oh, right. So, like, okay. so a it's... colored light ray is apparently the source of life. So, not just lightning? No. The lightning is more like the, um, the... the necessary sort of charge to get shit going. The power source. But also, he needs the brain has to be fresh and the heart has to be like pre made to beat before it ever goes into the body. Right. There's like a weird convoluted structure to it that's not really discussed in most of the random references to Frankenstein. They all the references just go, you build a body and then lightning brings it to life. Yeah, it's it's never we put animal parts in you. Yeah, There's no real hard fake science. I like that idea though. That, yeah, it's it's actually got more weird creative depth to it than you'd expect. Um, and then Bride of Frankenstein. I mean, I'm already mapping out how you bring all of these Universal Monster movies together around some grand EOS connecting thing. And the grand EOS connecting thing is that light of life. It brought I Frankenstein mean, together. It gave um, 
Dracula immortality. It brought the mummy back to life using yeah. weird ancient magic. And it all just happens to be the same science we can't yet explain yet. That's been used in different ways to create different types of monsters. I, I genuinely believe that rather than change these movies and make them modern and interesting, I would spend like barely a million per movie mm. and get a whole bunch of actors who are willing to do it for shits and giggles and just remake these movies shot for shot with modern actors. Shot for shot, word for word, they're as crappy as you'd expect them to be. Shoot them in four by three black and white if you want to. Mm. Um, and just make them as crap and as unintentionally funny as the original movies were. And you see, what you do is um, you just say it's for charity and yeah. then people will watch it and you'll, you'll make money. <laughs> sure, you I mean, have to give all of, of your money away. Most were, but... granted it was the 30s, but they were made for like $200,000. Jesus. Oh, that's awesome. Um, Bride of Frankenstein, first off, it made me think of how how different going to the movies was and the fact that back then, you know, you couldn't see a movie anywhere but the cinema. Mm. And once a movie stopped showing in the cinema, presumably you just couldn't waited see it again. Yeah, or just waited until it played it, like, again came as part of a feature thing, which we so, do now, but to a lesser degree, right? Yeah. yeah. Bride of Frankenstein starts with like a montage recap of the original Frankenstein movie. Oh, that's a previous. And it starts with like Mary Shelley in a house at night with two random dudes. It's just banging, just full on penetration. (laughs) Like, and they, they were like, that story was amazing. You, there was a story, and it was all the things. And then she was like, well, actually. It was That's me. not where it ends. And she's like, would you like to hear more? Wait, she just Ian Holmes, uh, The Hobbit trilogy? Pretty much, <laughs> yeah. Cool, okay. But, so, yeah. but like, they are so weird and specific and hyper real compared to, like, there's a different tone to what's going on in that little preamble bit to how the movies are to the point where it seems like Again, it seems like it's comedy, but a different type of comedy. Yeah. Like the main dude that's talking is just aggressively hitting on her while being exceedingly effeminate and wearing like an elaborate costume and also just talking with the most aggressively rolling R's for no apparent reason. <laughs> it's It's just nonsense. And then the other guy in the room is just weirdly softly spoken. And she just is very like winkingly moustache twirlingly strange and specific and does these weird little head bobbles that don't make sense and don't specifically mean anything but seem like they're implying something <laughs> um and in that the the same actress that plays mary shelley also plays the bride um, the bride herself oh cool so they uh they but yeah so this movie four years it. later only the parts of Frankenstein and Frankenstein's monster are played by the same actors. Everyone else is recast. Oh, right. So they still follow the same supporting cast or supporting roles. Now you have the inclusion of this weird, what seems like a crazy homeless lady until she goes into Frankenstein's house. And then you realize she's part of Frankenstein's, um, appears to be one of Frankenstein's, uh, 
what's the term? Like staff? She's like a maid or something? Servant. But yeah. but she still seems crazy and she's dressed dif- differently to the rest of them and she actively looks at the camera and reports on what's going on with the plot. <laughs> Uh, but basically um, is it a better movie it, it rewrites the end of the previous movie differently and also arbitrarily kills off frankenstein's dad in a way that doesn't make sense and breaks logic with the pre- so the the first movie all these movies end really abruptly by the way as in like it, what somebody just like, dies and it ends or it's like the monster is dead now um, Frankenstein himself is in bed recuperating from falling off the windmill and getting beaten up by the monster. Classic. And then Frankenstein's dad is just front of shot talking to his staff who bring him some wine and he just drinks the wine and then laughs. And then the movie just cuts off and it ends and it shows like the universal logo and it says the end. Oh. Um, then the second movie opens, goes back in time to a scene that you already saw it plays out differently they think frankenstein's dead they put him in a coffin take him back mournfully and then when his um fiance touches the corpse he wakes back up and she goes he's not dead plot twist um dad of frankenstein's dad has died at some point (laughs) despite having like the previous movie showed that frankenstein in fact lived this one starts by trying to fake you out and make you think he died his dad, who was there when he was proven to be alive, is now not there after he's proven to be alive. Oh, you know, there's and some film student the out there household. that did, did their thesis on the idea that um, Mary Shelley was an unreliable narrator, and so it was oh, all part, it was all done on purpose. Yeah, it's all just a crafting device to make a movie more than a movie. It's like no, no, it's just uh, yeah. even at that point, cocaine was a hell of a drug. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Um, it wasn't well, cocaine, was it, it was ether. Then, it was meth. Or ether, yeah. Um, all main characters are fundamentally invincible, no matter how viciously they get beaten. Yeah. But Not that little girl, though. Random background characters are just regular civilians will get, like, Maimed. casually slapped by Frankenstein, will fall down and will be dead. <laughs> uh... um, the... So Frankenstein survives the collapse and burning of the windmill by falling through it into a pool of water below it. That makes sense. Um, He then proceeds to murder two people who happen to be that little girl that was murdered's dad and his wife. Jesus. (laughs) Just arbitrarily, violently murder nobodies in the background. But there's just so much just random collateral damage of frankenstein at least just uh also take this the whole time. movie his he's like covered in burns and his hairs are his yeah, his hair sense. is gone his clothes are all scratched up he's all tattered at least go to the extent of like saying that the brain that you took from wherever you took it belonged to a man who died violently yeah um, no it's a criminal it is a criminal they do that so what happens is um igor or fritz picks up the brain there was like two brains on the scientist's desk that they steal from a lecture theater one's a squirtle one's a charming one's yeah one's like a regular man the other one is criminal brain and there's a conversation at the start with the scientist who's also his ex-mentor before frankenstein went away with with the science is like 
you can see that um, criminal brains don't have as many wrinkles because their their reasoning's not as developed as regular people. Right. Um, Science. Fritz picks up the regular brain and then Frankenstein goes, hurry up, you fool! And then he freaks out and shakes and drops the regular brain and then goes, shrugs, looks at the camera and picks up the criminal oh. brain. <laughs> yeah, so it's a comedy. Yeah. You knew exactly it's, what it was doing. I it, Like... I think they are intended to be slightly goofy and camping on the nose. Yeah. But I just can't tell whether that's a result of time or not. Or you weren't trying to do one particular like, experience. I don't know whether the... they were trying to do that at the time. Oh, yeah. I also don't know whether at the time movies were a thing that could be serious. Or like if they could be consistently serious. They, maybe it was just, well, we got to put it on a show. This might be the one movie that they see all year. We've got to give them yeah. a little bit of everything. It's basically a, a theater production. Yeah, I, I think you're going to have a little bit of wink, right wink, there. nod, nod. You got to have a little bit of murder. You got to have a little bit of cat choking for some reason. <laughs> um, yeah, okay. So what happens? This, the guy, this random scientist, turns up who is such a just weird. He looks like the the latest dude, the old guy that played Doctor Who. Uh, the one with the weird face. He's like a very pointy man. Is, uh, Bernard Cribbins? Bernard Cribbins? Wait, what? What are you talking? Matt Smith? No, not, not Matt Smith. The old guy one. Oh, yeah, it's not Bernard Cribbins. Peter Capaldi. <laughs> yeah, right. I can believe Bernie Cribbins. I don't know. The, the, the old scientist looks exactly like Peter Capaldi. Where did the name Bernard Cribbins come to for you? Did you look it up and then find I it? I Google and it searched and it was a picture of Peter Capaldi, but it said Bernard <laughs> Cribbins under it. I don't know. What now you is. know what Bernard Cribbins looks like though, right? No. And he looks like old Michael Caine to the point where one of his photos is old Michael Caine crying. No, that is him actually. Never mind. <laughs> I thought it was old Michael Caine crying at Batman's funeral. Oh, that's Bernard Cribbins. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Um... <laughs> So this guy turns up and he's like, um, he he wants to work with Frankenstein because he has also been able to create life, but his life sadly is cursed by being small. It is not a life. Yeah. He he brings Frankenstein to his house and he's like, "Would you like some gin?" Yes. And then he um, shows Frankenstein his creations, which are like weird little tiny people that ex he's put inside little glass cases for some reason and like there's a king one that's trying to fuck the queen one and there's a bishop one that's the movie what are you talking about dealing with yeah i, I don't know and then he's like uh, i need your help frankenstein because i was able to create life and his things are like pristine and new mm. he also says he created them out of seed so the, and the entire audience yeah. went because the implication is i guess he was jizzing in a cup and then turning it into people yeah um, he is just that's really a, that sounds like a really really and, dark and, and studio Ghibli film. But like, yeah. Gate Lady tries to keep him out of the house, but he keeps just like popping out of random doors in Frankenstein's house and like sliding into frame and going hello. Oh, like Imhotep and the Mummy. No, yeah, kind of. And like again, it's just up and up comedy, but I'm not sure whether it's meant to be. Mm. Um, um, no, but seriously, those jizz in the cup little people 
that yeah. that's a Studio Ghibli film just waiting to happen. Yeah, right? it, it really is. Okay. Um, he, yeah, he he works to he wants to create with Frankenstein, and he also is talking to the monster in the background because ultimately he's just focused on science and Frankenstein himself has agreed to give up on science and just spend time with his wife now and have a regular life outside of like breaking natural laws. Yeah. Right. He just, he just wants to um, fuck, you know, he just wants to get married yeah. and he wants the bone. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Frankenstein has been like occasionally killing people and romping across the countryside and being just genuinely, confused and terrified the whole time and finally uh, when he comes uh, across them. Does he learn words? Yes. Okay. So he randomly stumbles across a blind man who doesn't judge him because he can't see him. Sure. Classic. Who teaches him about friendship yep. and smoking and wine. <laughs> <laughs> and also bread sometimes and a bit of soup. Uh but mostly so, friendship. Most of what you hear Frankenstein say after he learns the ability to talk is smoke, drink. This is a comedy. It must be. Yeah. It's. But again, it's, some I film mean, student it, out there definitely wrote their thesis on the vices of man um, and being influenced by a former generate. Yeah. All that kind of thing. Yeah. Cool. Um, and then he learns the concept friend. Mm hmm. And then from friend, he's uh, the scientist gives him the um, concept of woman friend or wife. Oh. And so he uses Frankenstein's monster to scare Frankenstein into working with him and forcing him by kidnapping Frankenstein's wife to create more life with the scientist because the scientist ultimately just wants to do more science yeah that makes sense um and frankenstein gets a bride out of it and uh sorry the monster gets a bride out of it and frankenstein gets his wife back but um again i thought the concept of frankenstein's bride was that uh bride of frankenstein was that frankenstein bring accidentally has his wife die as a result of creating Frankenstein. This monster tries to bring his wife back to life. His wife comes back to life, but he's terrified by the wife he's created. Yeah. Um, rejects her. She gets disappointed at the rejection. The monster falls in love with the reanimated bride. And then the reanimated bride kills herself. But I think I've only seen that Frankenstein movie that has Robert De Niro as Frankenstein. Oh, right. The, um, that was Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Yeah. That was Kenneth yeah. Branagh. Yeah. And I, I think that is what I base the plot of Frankenstein on. Yeah, to be fair, uh, before I read the um, book at uni, that was what I thought it was too. But... Uh, and I don't know whether this is more true to the plot of Frankenstein, but yeah, he brings his dead bride back to life. His dead bride is horrified by what she's become. The monster 
thinks there's nothing wrong with her because he's a monster as well and he's happy to finally have another one of him in the world yeah because he's racist she yep. rejects what she's become and because she's racist yeah 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 and kills herself and then i think the monster just leaves to travel the world and try and learn which is where um that frankenstein movie with aaron the two-faced dude <laughs> I Frankenstein. I Frankenstein comes in, right? He just travels the world yes, doing Frankenstein I think things. fights gargoyles or something. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this... They create the bride who literally is on screen for maybe three minutes. Yep. And mostly just hisses. Yep. Oh, well, I mean... She, she hates the monster. I'm just trying to think who played the bride in the Kenneth Branagh one, and it was um, Helen the Bottom Carter. So that makes sense. Just mm. hissing, yeah. Give give her an Oscar. She's done. Yeah, yeah. Um, Frankenstein. Uh, the monster just goes. Oh, she hates me. Women, am I right? Yeah. yeah. He's disappointed. Tells Frankenstein to take his wife out of the cage they've got her in and go. Mm. And then the monster is like, I'll solve this problem and just collapses fr uh, Frankenstein's lab on top of himself. I can't remember. Maybe he survived. I can't remember. But it collapses it on top of himself, the bride, and the evil scientist. Right. Um, also, the bride is made out of people that they actively murdered to get the parts for her which because is, the which other scientist she... doesn't give a rat's ass about using corpses. Right, yeah. Which explains why she's much fresher looking than he is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and also, yeah, the actress that plays Mary Shelley and the actress that plays the bride are the same person. And for whatever reason, there's absolutely no. It doesn't. It doesn't like cut back to the people that were telling the story in the background at the end of the film. It just ends. So there's no point having that narrative piece on the front of it. Huh. There's an entire oh. gay subtext to Bride of Frankenstein, apparently, because the director was openly gay and the person who played Frankenstein and the other doctor were also gay or bisexual. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me. That's the thing you really get watching most of these movies is um, like all of the male leads are really effeminate in a way that to a modern audience is super obvious. Yeah. Um, and I presume at the time it wasn't. Well, well it might have been, but you probably weren't calling it, it that. It You'd was be... very like, what's the term? Um, it was very sort of don't ask, don't tell. Yeah. Or they'd use terms like, like yeah, I'm reading here, yeah, sissy would be used instead of, and yeah, that was used right. to d define the character. Um, All those old timey terms that basically say the same thing without actually without saying necessarily it. understanding or addressing what that meant. Yeah. Huh. Um, Jesus, the dude that played Frankenstein died at 37 years old. Really? Yeah. Jesus. He was only billed as Karloff in the film as well, instead of Boris Karloff. <laughs> Wait, oh, the guy who played Frankenstein, not the monster. Karloff is the monster. No, yeah, yeah. no, Boris Karloff, I think, lived to Like 80, him, yeah. Um, okay, no, that makes more sense. Wow. Severe alcoholism sped up his death from tuberculosis, heart problems, and pneumonia. Jesus. 
Oh yeah, he was born to die apparently. Yeah. Also, he um, he's a. What were those? What were the symptoms? He was what are tuberculosis? So that's that's my height. Um, and he was taller than Karloff. Jesus. So tuberculosis. So pneumonia. um, huh. they they actually used um, like bigger boots and padding to make the monster look bigger than he was in real life. Yeah. It was nominated yeah, for he's probably the only recording. example of the main character being larger than the on-screen monster. Weird. Okay. So that's what you've watched and you've got what this weekend you're watching Dracula. Wolfman, Dracula. Invisible Man. Invisible Man and Wolfman? Did I say Wolfman? Creature from the Black Lagoon. Black Lagoon. Which apparently is the one Charlotte tells me is the best one. Yeah, that's... I just came across... While just roaming through the internet while you were describing some of these um, features, I came across a story which talks about um, the director of that film and how he defined modern science fiction um, cinema. Right. Ray uh, Jack Arnold. Okay. Well, that, that's kind of the thing, right? All the other ones are essentially horror movies, whereas Black Lagoon is kind of more of a sci-fi. Yeah, because, I mean, he, Jack Arnold did, um, it came from outer space, like Tarantula, uh, okay. The Incredible Shrinking Man, all of those classic, probably B-movies, but all of those 1950s, uh, Soviet-era, Cold War, nuclear destruction, sort of like monstrosity, yeah. sort of sci-fi movies or aliens and yeah huh. looking at it i think i might have to um make my own spin on the creature from the black lagoon out of what um the the sorry the out of fish poster. parts all oh, right the poster yeah i i know charlotte is a fan and i was thinking about trying to make a old movie poster with her likeness on it. Huh, that's cool. Do a, do a one for her, one for me sort of thing where you put her in a movie that she'll really like seeing her face in and then pick one that you'll really like seeing her face in that she won't appreciate. Um, I'm trying to think I'll, of a movie. I'll just, I'll just do head. the same poster, but um, one will be tasteful, one will not. <laughs> Just do three men and a baby, except all three men are Charlotte's face. I don't even know what three men and a baby is. Neither do I. I've just heard about it. Uh, it's got Ted Danson and whoever Steve Gutenberg was. Um, That's the guy that wrote the Bible, right? <laughs> Gutenberg? Yeah, sure. The Gutenberg Bible. That's a thing. Don't tell me it's not. <laughs> Uh, is that the sexy Bible with like stories and stuff? Nah, that's the King James. That's the King James one. <laughs> full of schmutz, full of schmutz, schmeckle, schmutz, uh, cream cheese. On on the subject of old movies, we've been watching the Exorcist TV show on Amazon Prime. Oh, the one with Gina Davis? Only in the first season. The second yep. season, it's got John Cho instead. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, okay, John Cho. Asia's Gina Davis. Um, <laughs> Truly, he were. Uh, some would call him the Gina Davis of Harold and Kumar go to White so Castle. It's, it's 
almost the exact same plot as the TV show The Outcast. Oh, okay. But not nearly as serious and not nearly as well done. Does it take the piss a little bit or is it just dumb? Um, no, it, it's... When you say it's not as So serious. it starts out as horror. Yeah. And then it becomes essentially supernatural. So it's more spooky and like... We no, like to... the show Supernatural. Ah, uh, oh, oh, okay. So it initially... You actually find out towards the end of the first season that Gina Davis is um, like a self-witness protectioned girl from the original Exorcist movie. As in the girl? Yes. Like Linda Blair's character? Huh. Yeah. Whatever her name was, like Raiden or Raylan or... No, what was it? Uh, Exorcist. Linda Blair Regan. 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 Um, yeah. yeah and but so basically it's just a like well-to-do american family who is inexplicably members of a church in a poor area yeah um ask their local priest for help because they think what well, gina davis quietly thinks that her daughter is her depressed daughter who's been in a car crash and lost her um, girlfriend and her ability to do ballet is um, possessed. But actual fact, it's the other sister who felt like the previous sister is got everything in life and she's just like the forgotten child. Yeah. And also, um, what's the non-Ferris Bueller dude from Ferris Bueller's Day Off? Uh... The dude from Spin City. Yes. Yeah. Stuart he plays Spin the City. dad who has had a head injury and so just has like random bouts of Alzheimer's. Huh. That's how, that's how head injuries point. work, right? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it starts out as what seems like a horror series and then it becomes um, the Vatican and American society are being invaded by a group that sort of touts themselves as like the Freemasons people that, yeah, kind of like a secret society that believe in an alternate, um, history understanding of the Bible and stuff. Of the 60 and King James Bible. The yeah. angels who were cast out for siding with Satan are the real good guys and that God's a dick. Right. Okay. Uh, and they're all. So they sort of suggest that you can be possessed by a demon or you can choose to meld with the demon and become one entity. Right. Okay. Um, and melding with the demon doesn't cause your body to rot and fall apart like it does to possessed people that are fighting the demon. It just kind of gives you superpowers and the demon mostly just takes over your body. Right, and it's this point it's it's become a CW show. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Um, so it's like a small contingent of good guy Vatican Church establishment people are trying to work together in the background to stop a um, plot by demons to take over the world and 
or it's kind of like take over the Catholic Church and then the world kind of thing. Right. But I mean, and in people a, in a, realize that the entire Catholic Church is mostly already overrun with them. Yeah. But I mean, when you tell me a story about uh, uh, angels who are really good guys because they sided with the devil, God's a dick, and then you say their enemies are the Catholic Church, I'm like, yeah, okay, I'll buy it. Oh, let's see where this goes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And they, and they very much tout, like, you know, embracing knowledge and understanding and different ways to look at the world and things like that yeah all this all the scary stuff in the bible which spoke to sin right which really what it was talking about was um thinking for yourself instead of believing and then what they really do is just take over your body and yeah try and rule the world yeah um it has horror elements but as time goes on it gets less horror focused and more just more charmed almost monster of the week yeah, it becomes charmed uh, where they just need to. You just you, they've established the universe they live in, and now they need to solve for that universe and stop yeah. the thing. And the, the main season. character is a wayward priest who's trying to stop having an affair with a married woman. Um, and the other main character is a lifelong exorcist who is like a renegade member of the church, but also somebody they go to when shit hits the fan. He's their John Constantine. Okay. Yeah, and he, like, you know, the church got him as an orphan and raised him to be a renegade. It was just like biff him in a cage with a possessed person and say, either exercise this demon or die, basically. Did they Um, understand him to have the ability to do that before throwing him in that cage? Or they just thought, you know what, orphan, we're not going to fuck him. We'll just throw him in this. Just do it or die. Um, But Uh, if you really successfully exercise a demon there's a chance you'll like get a weird vision of god and everyone that's had that vision of god is very much like extremely like it's unshakable right yeah it becomes it's like a light on you that starts to fade over time and so they almost like chase it seem to chase it and try to exercise people yeah just in the hope of getting another hit of god that i like um as far as everyone is concerned, God actually, like, the church doesn't follow God. The church just puts out what the church wants to put out. God as a concept or as an entity is doing his own thing and nobody understands it. And yeah. God doesn't really care about day-to-day affairs of the world or even is necessarily present in any way. So it's, like I said, it's it's borrows a lot of sort of quietly borrows a lot from things like supernatural yeah um where it's like well yes there is the church and there is the angels and stuff but it's actually kind of a weird bureaucracy where no one's quite sure what's supposed to be happening yeah yeah um the main like dead exorcist guy is gay which kind of affects the plot but mostly I think it's to kind of be a bit more of a modern story and provide a alternate angle to things, but I don't really know whether it affects the story or whether it was just a choice. Uh, ultimately irrelevant, I guess, but it, it does... Like, it's weird that it's not something that the people in the church dislike him for. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's just... Because, like, they are... 
against that. But the story posits it like it's fine and like the church has no issue with it. It's still, yeah, okay. It's an accepted mechanism of what it is that they're. Yeah, I mean, about. demons use it against him to like make him feel uncomfortable while he's trying to exercise them, but the the actual church hierarchy doesn't seem to have any issue with it which i don't know why because it, it just it, a boy gets it, results as a you know? story it uses so many things about how the church treats the world and then it doesn't use that oh, so it's shallow and it's yeah it's it's very pick and choosy between what but it, you can't help but watch it and come out the other side thinking it's trying to be pro-christian uh uh-uh. That's that's the weirdest part about the whole thing is is I came out the other side feeling like I was watching a pro Christian show. Weird, because I mean, like with Constantine, you're watching, you think, yeah, it's established that all of this is real. Um, the church, by and large, is set up to do good, but that's literally where it stops. Like that's yeah, all it forces down your throat is it establishes the rules by saying, no, no, those stories are real, and then some. Um, and we've found a way to fight it, and we know that heaven and hell exists because we've seen it. Um, yeah, which is why I liked the Outcast so much better. Well, just Outcast apparently, because it was just like, oh no, nah, no, nah, the the priest is wrong. These aren't demons per se; they're just some supernatural interdimensional creatures that yeah. are trying to make their way into our plane of existence because it's a nicer place to be than where they're from, mm. and he arbitrarily has this power to beat demons out of people with his hand, but we're not sure why. And it seems like there probably isn't a God. Yeah. It just works. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a lot more. Also, it, it maintains the dark and the horror elements, despite having sort of a conspiracy type bent. A fringe, a yeah, run of the mill sort of like, we've got to work our way through this greater thing. But I, I, yeah. I, yeah, I haven't watched obviously the excess, but I, I've watched the first couple of episodes of Outcast. I've maybe watched the full first full season. I can't remember, but yeah, it's legitimately it's scary. Season two. Yeah, 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 and it maintained that. Huh. Granted, I still think the better show of that time period was um, Preacher. Yeah, that was just enjoyable to watch as well as being yeah. horrific. Um, at times yeah but it was three just... shows from a very sp- similar time period so that's sort of 2016 2017 all encapsulating exorcism plots yeah all involving the problem uh, with um preacher i think is that some of the names in that show um very quickly eclipsed the show that they were on purely because of what was going on around them not just because of that particular show like uh ruth nigger's character not character but like she started That's that show and then um, jumped straight to being Oscar nominated for a film. A lister, yeah, yeah. And then all of a sudden they probably couldn't afford her anymore, right? I think they kept her, but it's just like, oh, this is suddenly becoming that. beneath quite a couple of people when it shows a little bit, but it's still a really good show. What was his name? Dominic something? Uh, Cooper. Dominic, Dominic Cooper. Cooper, yeah. He's the vampire dude in all of the, the, the in what they tried to make the Universal Vampire movies something, right? Oh, really? Not I, Dracula, but Dracula Untold. Is that what we're called? Dracula Retold. 
Oh, hey, Dracula on top. He was somebody called Mimid. He was Dracula. Ah. Oh, yeah, yeah, that sucked. Son of the dragon. And he showed up at the end of um, The Mummy, right? In a post credit scene. I don't know. In, like, I... modern day, dressed as, like, a creepy vampire type. Oh, okay. Um, watching, I think, I don't know if he was watching Tom's Cruises, Tom's Cruises character or um, Cruises. the Jekyll Hyde, Russell Crowe character or something. Mm. But, yeah, he but... yeah he showed up at the end and it was meant to be, like, their, like, Iron Man moment. Oh, right. But at that point, no one had really clearly established that these were movies were meant to be related because they no, had I think nothing some to do with each other. Yeah. yeah. It was just odd. um, Yeah. Preacher had style and substance and it was fun. Yeah. Yeah. And the, it was funny man. as well. Like it was legitimately yeah. funny. It was um, very dark, sarcastic comedy. Yeah. Yeah. And like the the Irish vampire guy. Yeah, he could just steal any scene he's in, really. Yeah. Um, I mean, the one of the first scenes was like the second scene where he was just him in a plane, killing a bunch of guys, yeah. and then falling. And then the falling sky. out, and then having to be stuck in a box for a long time. Um, yeah, I think he had to eat a cow to put his body back together after he crashed. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I just remember him having to like wear like a or not having to, but quite easily or quite quickly embracing just wearing a big floppy sun-brimmed um, southern ladies kind of hat just to deal with the shade or get some of the shade while he was walking around and say, oh yeah, that makes sense. I like that. It was just, yeah, it was just a good time. Um, yeah, it was fun. Um, good, wholesome, clean fun. Uh, it wasn't clean at all. Uh, no, I'm not even close. Yeah. Um, I think we've done it. We've done a solid amount of time right now. We should wrap it up yeah. here for this episode. But for next time, let's talk about um, some of those conspiracy theory shows, and we'll yeah. probably be able to you catch up after that. You wanted to talk to, right? Uh, I wanted to talk about the old guard and uh, um, that identical strangers documentary that I've seen on Netflix, which is just like, oh god, the story itself is like, okay, yeah, that all kind of like standard triplets separated at birth thing, but the stuff they just very lightly touched on before the thing was over, because it was mostly about the story of three brothers who, um, one ended up killing himself because of all the stress of realizing that they were basically lab rats. Um, and this is all a true story. Uh, but what they gen very gently touch on is that the scientist who designed this entire process was using Jewish children specifically and um, seemed to have a history in Nazi Germany, but the documentary just lightly touches on that and then carries on. So, okay, cool. That's really what I want to know a little bit more about. Um, so, yeah, we can do that and probably talk about your uh, the next four movies in the Universal rankings for you. Sweet. Yeah, I mean... But yeah, watch yeah. Three Identical Strangers on Netflix. Okay. As well That's as The Old Guard, because it's a good time. Yeah, I intend to get the old guard done. And... and what was Extraction? That's the other one we need to watch. Yeah. Chris Hemsworth doing stuff. Um, what else is Chris? I don't. Chris Hemsworth is. That's right. He's going to play Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan. Yeah. And like, but a... like a younger Hulk Hogan. Brother. Well, I mean, yeah. If I can, yeah. Okay. 
is it meant to be a Hulk Hogan movie or is it meant to be a movie about wrestling? Yeah, it's a it's a Terry Hogan biopic. Oh. But specifically about more the earlier years. Right, okay. Untitled Hulk Hogan biopic. Terry Belair. Terry Belair, yeah. That's his real name. Is there any details? Nah. No. But yeah, it's directed by Todd Phillips, so Oh, so it's gonna be fucking funny. So I think the expectation is sarcastic, dark, and not particularly of positive light. Yeah. If anything, it'll be like, what was that stupid? Which I, I say stupid, but I actually kind of enjoyed it for a Michael Bay film. That Michael Bay film with Mark uh, Pain Wall- and Game. Pain and Game. So it's going to be like Pain and Game. I liked Pain and Game. So yeah. did I. If I'm going to rank the Michael Bay films, that's probably near the top. It was, as per usual, too long. Yeah. Yeah. It was like two but, and a half hours long, wasn't it? It's like, there's no robots in this. It doesn't need to be this long. No, uh-huh. It's not Bad Boys 2, which an action movie should not like. Like when I think of Bad Boys 2, I think about falling asleep. Yeah. <laughs> That's a fucking action movie. <laughs> it was a TV series is what it was. It just had... Yeah. yeah it just had an entire... It, it needed to be on a big screen because of explosions, but otherwise it should have just been a TV series. I don't know. I'm not sure you can fit that much contrast into a TV show. <laughs> uh, crush those blacks. <laughs> but how else do you get to know how like yellow? Well, that sounds racist. <laughs> no, I was going to. I was trying to jump back to that and just say, how do you tell if Megan how um, yellow Megan Fox is at any given time if you don't use that Michael Bay contrast? Because yeah. Transformers. What? What? Have you heard? Just in another random aside before we shut off. Um, mm-hmm. So all the now, as the with the rise of Snyder Cut stuff, yeah, or how a lot of the actors around Joss Whedon are now being are shitting on Joss Whedon now that they I brought know up another that, like, article keeping their mouths shut and being nice to Joss Whedon doesn't represent the only way for their careers to continue. for someone that's built his entire career on strong female characters and feminism and shit, but also objectifying the shit out of them. Um, and just being a cunt, apparently. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm getting. I was like, oh, like this the, is so satisfying because I've never liked the dude. Well, I, I, I've always... Not satisfying, it's shit, but... Um, I mean, I yeah, I think just Joss Whedon's... He's a hack. ...style is everything I hate about cinema, which is like, you know... Well, he doesn't make movies. Driven he makes by TV. nostalgia and self-referential oh, shit. He's everything that TV resigned itself to being for a long period of time cheap and just serialized serialized and goofy uh and it just yeah yeah i brought that article uh, one of those articles up as well if we got time to talk about that but let's pause that for next time because be interesting to know what comes out between now and then because there's now there's actual people from the buffy tv show coming out and saying this like the stunt crew are saying that oh he was a piece of shit so, Shit. um, he hasn't been me too, but he has been like, no, he's just an absolute asshole of a human being, and people need to know how abusive he was just for being. I heard that. Oh, what's his name? The the predator, Brian Singers. Yeah, apparently got a new project underway. Really? Yeah. So, in well, the era of me year. too, I guess oh. is it because he never fucked with any actresses that he's fine. <sighs> 
Yeah, I guess. But like, surely his. Like he he is. God, he's a weird. We- like a rapist pedophile. He's a weedy look. I don't he's a weedy looking prick, isn't he? Yeah. I don't know. I I've always you know I love a good conspiracy as much as the next person, but I genuinely do believe that a lot of that shit is very like house of cards in the sense that too many people at too many levels are too connected to it. Yeah. So you just, you, you're never going to get that industry as an industry to all admit to what they've done wrong. I don't see anything lined up for him on Wikipedia. Oh. Your project. I mean, it's just weird that you got um, him, not weird, but you're like, there's a reason he worked with Gibbons Basie, surely, back in those days. Guaranteed. I really don't like Brian Singer's face. No, also, he looks like I mean. a Rob Liefeld character. Yeah. He has, yeah, he's just got those beady little eyes and just want to hit him. Um, yeah, no, yeah, he apparently hasn't done anything since 2010. He was meant to make a Red Sonja movie, but that collapsed after the accusations came out. Red Sonja is just people have been accusing him of shit for years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been a long-standing thing. So it's like the one frequent collaborator I hope doesn't fall into that is Ian McKellen, just because he's gay. Like so by association. I but I remember don't reading or hearing. I think there is like I... so. I remember Ian McKellen being interviewed and saying that like having to sleep with your betters to get roles was just an accepted thing it's just the nature of the industry right and that that's acceptable and should not be fucked with and is part of the process so i'm would say which i mean yeah it's that's so because the other one that I've when you've of... got like Elijah Wood, who's obviously came through all of the Lord of the Rings movies with him, and they all seem still quite close. But isn't there? But Elijah Wood is very vocally Woods. like, "There's an underbelly of all the shit going down." They're always because he was a child actor. Wasn't there some implication that he got messed with? Uh, no, he came out quite clearly and said that he hadn't been, but he ha- he is friends with people who had been that were Ooh. from his generation ones that are still working today I think it was the implication but the, it's not his place to say who gotcha. obviously um, uh, maybe he should um, well I mean his peers I mean they're not shrouding victims but yeah, it depends who it Feldman is as well. said some interesting yeah. shit like once you sorted through the bits where he was just trying to hype a project which was fucked up considering that project was a story about him being fucked over yeah but um and the weird Feltman. thing is that he's never said that Michael... Like, he's actively always said that Michael Jackson never did that sort of shit. Yeah. It's such a messy, messy thing. But um, Yeah, that he said Feltman that Charlie Sheen... Said Haim, that... Corey Haim told him that Charlie Sheen bent him over in the middle of the day in between trailers and, and yeah. sodomized him, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean... Um, I don't know how that worked. I also read something else that said... Haim went back and tried to initiate further interactions between them and Sheen just brushed him off and like refused to acknowledge it to him um, I, I don't know what was going on there or any way shape or form but um, 
Feldman talked about going to the Soda Pop Club, which was a, a casting exec's son ran a nightclub for kids that didn't involve alcohol or anything that was like underage people could have. Right. But we know the kids that grow, grew up in the industry around that time were like heavy drug users and yes. shit, right? And also the suggestion was that basically Alfie soda pop staff pop. were roofing the kids. Because Feldman talks about at least one time feeling really sleepy and then other times waking up mid somebody doing something to him and then like getting up, putting his clothes back on and running away. Right. So the yeah, suggestion was that basically I guess you go to this place and then the 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 guy who runs the place, I guess, farms the kids out to people in the industry who want to have their way with them while the kids are unconscious. Jesus. Okay, yeah. that's enough. I feel like we've got a few episodes up our sleeve. It's dark enough, yeah. Yeah. Um cool this has been wired shut <laughs> um uh, uh we started with some horror and we ended with some horror um yeah find us in all the usual places i'm your host jesse he's your host logan as always use the word allegedly <laughs> allegedly at all times and um evidently evidently uh when you feel it but yeah and we are i feel like next time let's try and keep the topic from the dark because i don't feel this is a great way to end my night <laughs> no neither i need to i need some sort of palate cleanser of some kind yeah. and i'm gonna have to get off some of these uh articles i've opened up in preparation for like thinking we're gonna talk about some of this shit i, like, nah, I don't want to look at that shit anymore no. um yeah okay uh, um the, all of the new gym all of like jim jeffrey's stand-up specials are now on netflix as of like a couple of days ago so maybe just go watch one of those his latest one's up there as well Oh, nice. Which is pretty good. Alright. But alright. There's been wide shot. We are. It has been. We're out.